the Center for Theological Integrity. This is the pastor's table. Today's church leaders are weary and burnt out from trying to lead in the machine of corporate leadership systems. The pastor's table brings you conversations with local pastors working out deep theological convictions in their churches. Here are your hosts, Reverend Tara Beth Leach and Dr. Mark Quanstrom. Welcome to the pastor's table. I'm Tara Beth Leach. And I am Mark Quanstrom. And uh, we are continuing the conversation that we had uh, last time uh, because these podcasts are 30 minutes long and we don't want to keep people longer than 30 minutes. So we're glad you're joining us again today to hear the rest of the conversation. Um, but Tara Beth, in the last uh, podcast, was talking about um, her assessment of her work at Paznaz mm-hmm. ever after leaving. A very, very difficult assignment. Mm-hmm. It's not an unusual story, but it is her story that she tells in an incredibly compelling way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she comes to some comes to Chicago, not sure where she's going to land. Christ Church uh, uh, provides for her a safe re-entry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't really leave ministry, but an entry back into pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it this way. It may not be how you would say it, but you resigned yourself to maybe never being a lead pastor again. I did. And then out of the blue, uh, another church calls you to be their lead pastor. Right. Right. And and I mean, within the last three months. Well, so kind of. They actually called me in May of 2022. Oh. Yes. And they asked, hey. Would you consider being our lead pastor? And at first, um, my answer to someone was, yeah, I'll consider it. And then they called, and I said no. Yeah, no kidding. I would too. Yeah, Yeah, and I was pretty resistant from May of 2022 um, until September, October, and into December. And I remember talking uh, with someone from the search committee. He said to me, he said, Okay, so so what should we do? Um, and I, I gave him the name of Vanderblumen, a search firm. And I said to him, I said, hey, if, if you haven't found anyone in January, let me know. Well, little did I know that I would later, uh, the analogy, you, you guys got to just hang with me. I'm like the analogy queen. I just love images and, and analogies. And in December, I uh, the analogy I was giving or the image was that I felt like I slipped and fell on top of a speedboat and the speedboat left the shore and I didn't know where we were going. And so essentially the journey that I went on is in December, I returned to this church, Good Shepherd. By the way, so Good Shepherd Church in Naperville, I was on staff there for a number of years, right. my 20s into my 30s. Uh, it's where I baptized my children. It's where um, we raised our kids. We okay. had babies there. It's where I started getting some of my earliest preaching opportunities. And it is the church that completely sponsored my seminary. So was that the church you were at before you went to Paznaz? No, before Christ Church. Yes. So okay. so long story, but so they 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 sponsored and paid for me to go oh, to the Northern Seminary. Seminary. Oh, okay. Yes. Very good. So I have a long history with this mm-hmm. church. Some of my best friends to date are still part of that church. And when I was in Pasadena, they would come out and visit me. Hmm. I mean, these are lifelong friends. And uh, because they'd been without a lead pastor for a year now, I was doing some pulpit supply. They don't call it that, but I was preaching. Mm-hmm. And 
in December when I preached for them, I remember just looking out at the congregation and I just had this prompting in my heart and all I could think was, they need a mom. Wow. They need a mother. And I don't know what it was, but I couldn't shake it. And I had this just incredible maternal love for them. And this is this is something that I, I return to um, a lot. This is this is a story that um, I don't share in a lot of places, but I'm going to share it. So Mark's looking at go. me. Here we go. <laughs> I have no idea where yes. this is going. But I do know that you went from a burning building to a speedboat. I, yes, just, <laughs> I just do think that like God like gives me these images to help like make sense. No, of I things, get it. No worries. Know? No worries. And you've I, always called me a mystic. So you here are we mystic. are. I'm a she, mystic. You are a mystic. Yes. And so years, years ago, I had just this, this. I, you know, I was, I was in prayer, um, and while I was in prayer, I just imagined um, I was in this space and. I was standing before Jesus, and Jesus handed me this lamb. And I took the lamb, and I, I I cradled it in my arms, and I felt so much maternal love for this lamb. Hmm. And I wanted to care for it, almost like the first time I, I held my boys. And I went to go hand the lamb back to Jesus to show my gratitude for letting me hold the lamb. And Jesus pushed it back towards me and said, no, I trust you. And with his hands were over mine. Hmm. What, how old are you? Um, what this was, this was, this was eight years ago, nine years ago. Before you went to Paznes? Mm -hmm. Before I went to Paznes. Wow. And, you know, I often say, you know, so I view pastoring through the lens of mothering I don't believe that every woman needs to view pastoring through the lens of mothering. That's I just am right. a mom. Right. Right. And this is this, I mean, talk about like incarnational mm -hmm. ministry. I preached sermons at 40 weeks pregnant. I mean, I remember one time preaching a sermon. I was 40 weeks pregnant and a, a gentleman came up to me afterwards and he said, I'm so sorry, but all I could think about was whether or not we were going to see the baby move while you were preaching. <laughs> Just couldn't help himself. Uh, if his wife uh, were there, she funny. probably would have smacked him behind the head um, for saying that. Uh, but, you know, so so pastoring for me, I have been a pastor with babies while pregnant. I have stood um, in pulpits with babies in a sling while I am praying for the congregation. I have traveled the country leading high school students on missions trips with a baby in the sling and stepping aside to nurse every other hour. So it's gotten really challenging for me to not see pastoring through the lens of mothering, especially all those years that I was in youth ministry. And I look at those kids and I now think that's someone's baby. Right. When I'm at the bedside of someone, I think that's someone's baby. So here we are going a roundabout way to say that I stood before this church in December, and they'd been through a lot of pain. They'd been through a lot of hardship. And I just I just felt impressed. They need a mama. They hmm. need a pastor mom. That's what they need right now. Not that they need me, not that I was their savior, but right. I just felt like me, as this pastor mom that I am, maybe there's something there. And so when I say I slipped and fell on top of a speedboat, 
is because I remember I pushed that thought away really quickly. That you would be the lead pastor of that yes, church. Yes, I said, nope, yeah. Yeah. nope, I I'm resisted not, it. I'm not doing this again. Yes, I had that thought, and then it was immediately no. And I was talking with one of my closest friends, and she said to me, she said, you keep saying that, like, you, you might feel called, but you're 99% sure you're not. Um, she said, so what's that 1% about? Like, what is what is that that's pulling you in? I said, well, to be honest, I I would need for my lead pastor at Christ Church to bless this. Because I felt loyal to him because sure. he, he brought me back. He cared for I me. Get that. And she looked at me and she said, well, that'll never happen. I said, you're right. That'll never happen. Well, it's kind of crazy just the holy mischief that the spirit is often up to. Because three days later... He somehow found out um, that the church was interested in me in coming. And let's just hit the fast forward button. Um, I ended up in a conversation with him, and he said to me, Terabeth, you're in your prime. I believe that God is calling you to be a lead pastor. I think you need to go. So the 1% was that your senior pastor, who had tended to you, said you have permission to leave. I guess he was that 99%. Oh, he was the 99%. He was. The, I, uh, I, I needed that blessing. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Because everything within me was just pulling right. me to, to pastor this church. I had a history with them. I loved them mm -hmm. dearly. They, they loved me and my family. And so, and then, wow. So I remember, I mean, December 23rd, I was preparing to preach Christmas Eve services at Christ Church, feeling just completely disoriented. I remember thinking, I don't know what's up. I don't know what's down. What is happening? Am I really am I really going to go into a discernment process? Mm -hmm. I I'm happy. Why why would I leave? What what if what if this is hard again? What if this is a repeat? Yeah, go ahead. Finish your story and then I'll yeah. take to speak into it. And a bit. so I called the search committee and said, "Okay, let's I said, let's have a conversation." about having a conversation. I was really noncommittal about this. Yeah. I didn't say I want to interview. I didn't say I want to throw my name in the hat. I said, let's talk yeah. about talking. Um, it felt safer. <laughs> and so, but boy, that day I fell on a speedboat and things moved so fast. And on middle of February, the church affirmed me as their new lead at 98.9%. That's amazing. That's such. That's so redemptive. Not eighty percent. Correct. Not eighty percent. Right. And it's been nothing but redemptive. Nothing but healing. I remember, you know, with working with my therapist and spiritual director going into this, I, I often kept replaying the Pasadena tapes. Right. What if this, what if yeah, this is yeah, that yeah, again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we would then she would my therapist would say, okay, let's talk about why this isn't that. Let's talk about all the things that are different about this. And all the things are different. Yeah, well, when you, you know, you you told me that you were entertaining a call to Good Shepherd, and I think I was encouraging, right? Oh, yeah. I think I thought I remember I was be... so stunned by your response. Why? I don't remember what I said. I, everyone that, res I mean, everyone that I talked to just kept saying, oh, yeah, I see this. You were surprised by that response? Because I just thought everyone was going to say no. It's going to be too hard. Don't do it. Well, I just it, expected no, everyone was... to re replay the tapes of doubt in right. my own mind, and I thought everyone was going to affirm that. I I thought it, I think still think it's incredibly courageous 
for you to enter into the arena of lead pastor yeah. after what happened to you at Paznaz. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I have the right to be proud of you, but I thought, wow, good, good for her. That is no, that's not a little courage. That's a lot of courage to do this again. Yeah. So, um, I mean, maybe that's an underappreciated uh, virtue uh, for pastors' courage. It takes a lot of courage to be a pastor. Oh, and it, it took does. a whole lot of courage for you to be willing to open yourself up again mm -hmm. to the possibility of what happened at Paznaz as different as Good Shepherd is. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're still at the mercy of our congregations. Yeah. Yeah. So and you're doing this is amazing to me. And you know, Mark, no one has any question about whether it's okay that at, a female's in the pulpit. At Good Shepherd. At Good Shepherd. It is just completely embracing. Mm. There's so much momentum. There's so much energy. There's so much joy and excitement. And there's been no, well, I, I don't, I'm not so sure about this. Can women be pastors? I, I don't know how I feel about this. Maybe those conversations are happening, but eight weeks in now, I'm eight weeks in. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. Eight weeks in and we're having the time of our life. And I know, I, I know I'm in the honeymoon, but here's the thing. No, I always thought, I always thought women would never get a honeymoon. I just thought if you're a woman in ministry and you're trailblazing and you're the first one, um, you just won't get a honeymoon and you just have to deal with it. Mm. Just buck up sisters like this is how it is i'm getting a honeymoon well what a kindness on the part of our lord to yeah. provide this for you you weren't looking for it mm -hmm. you were not looking to vindicate yourself uh, you had um, accepted the possibility that you might never be a lead pastor again that your lead pastor story would be paz naz mm -hmm. so you were okay with that right and then mm -hmm. the lord says no i I've got a church I need you to lead. Right. There's a church that needs some maternal care. Right. That only a woman could bring. Right. Right. Well, that's a pretty cool story. So, yeah. So, uh, but if someone had said this to you at Paznaz, what year did you uh, resign Paznaz? 2020. If somebody had said to you in 2020, when you were flying back to attend to your dad, oh, by the way, in 2023, you're going to be the senior pastor of. Good Shepherd, what would you have said? I would laugh. Yes. And laugh and yeah, laugh. There's no way you would have And I would say, it. I would say, there's no way I would ever do anything like there's, that. You're nuts. Yeah, I'm done with this. Right. So, yes. so maybe one of the one of the takeaways for us is in the middle of the worst. Um, maybe that's not going to be the Maybe that's not going to be the end of the story. No, maybe and God has a redemptive that's right. ending here. And seasons of sitting down are also okay. I, I, you know, yes, like I was absolutely doing the work of ministry at Christ Church, right? But I also think God sat me down to well, reflect. Sure, I get that. So, the, oh yeah, I get that. So the Lord said, yeah, uh, Tara Beth needs to be tended to. She needs time to reflect. Mm -hmm. She needs time to consider before she can. Enter the pulpit again, right? That's right. And I don't know. Punishment. Had I not had those two and a half years of doing more therapy, right. more work, more reflection, I right. don't think, you know, in our last episode, I reflected on the ways that I worked out my pain in the pulpit right. and other places. I don't think I would have been able to do that kind of work and deep reflection had I not sat down for a couple of years. And been out of the pulpit for two and a half years. 
Yeah. Three years, right. Now I preach. Don't get me wrong. No, I, I get preached, that. No, but, but, yes, but it tending wasn't... to a congregation yeah. and preaching week after week after yes, week. Yes, it's very different. We are quite... We, they know us. Yes. Yes, that's right. We may not know them, but yep. they know us. Right. I mean, we uh, if we preach as we should, mm -hmm. they're going to know us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, well, I, I don't know a pastor who doesn't have a story like that. Let me say no. it differently. I don't know every pastor, of course, but but maybe that should be part of the job description. Mm -hmm. Maybe Peter's story should be part of the job description for pastors. Yeah, you will fail, and the Lord will redeem. That's right. That's so right. I mean, I've I've I left the ministry. I left pastoral ministry twice. Say more. No, I have. I've I don't left... think I know these stories. Oh yeah, I left pastoral ministry. So uh, my my philosophy of ministry was you go to church and you stay. And I really did want to stay. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we went to Belleville first. You need a church that lets you stay, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right? Not a, not yeah. all churches want one pastor. Yes. So Belleville first, 26 years old, church of, 26, church of about 26 folk. And we got to stay 23 years, right? And I've told that story. Um, never Never exponential growth, but I was building... Community of faith. Um, I had in my head the model of a monastic movement, not a church growth model. Mm. I wanted to build an alternative community of being with each other. Um, it's, it was the monastics that saved the church in the Middle Ages. And we can talk about that some more. But my model for church is monastery, not, not corporation. Yeah. But anyway, so that meant I stayed. So we stayed 23 years. And then Olivet called, asked me to come and be a professor. I got a PhD at St. Louis University in order to be a better pastor. Mm -hmm. Never got a PhD to teach. Yep. That was not my future. Yep. I want to be the best pastor I could possibly be. And I was reading so many books, I thought I ought to get credit for it. So I decided to go get a PhD at St. Louis University, which I could do. It was mm -hmm. there. And it was a great program, and I loved it. And um, it fed me. Going to school feeds me. So they called and said, you know, could would you come up to teach? And I said... <laughs> No, at this point in my life, I'm a pastor. We're getting ready to buy uh, Barrow Palats in, in Belleville. We're going to die here. <laughs> and um, I went home and the Lord said, you know, you need to check with me every now and then and stuff. Mm, yeah. And I said, why? I know the answer. I mean, I know, I, know, I know the answer. I'm not leaving. And he said, you need to check with me every now and then. And I said, wait, the answer is not no. I'm, I have to think about it. He said, the answer may not be no. You better check with me. So I said, well, what, well what's the answer? He's and so it took us like three or four months, both Debbie and I, to try to figure out, do we leave pastoral ministry? I'm leaving pastoral ministry after committing myself to it for 23 years, that was my identity. I thought I was betraying the church by leaving. I would be betraying all of the pastor, fellow pastors that I was tending to by leaving the ministry. I was leaving the ministry by teaching other students how to be pastors. Mm -hmm. um, but finally, we realized that the Lord was calling us to Olivet. Uh, there was a bet going on at Belleville First. I got my PhD in 2000. I didn't leave to 2005. And there was a bet among the board members how long after my PhD would it take for me to leave. Wow. And they all lost the bet because they thought I would be gone in a couple of years. Mm. But I lasted five more yeah. years. Yeah. Anyway, so I left the ministry. And in processing into Olivet, um, the HR guy says, man, how come you guys are all leaving the ministry? Just stab my heart. Mm. How come you guys are all leaving the ministry? Yeah. And I wanted to say, I said I wasn't. So that was that story. So taught all of that. And so I thought I'm out of the ministry. Well, then I'm there four years. And then College Church asked me to be the campus pastor of one of its multi-sites. And I got permission from the president. And so I 
became part-time pastor of university campus mm-hmm. of College Church, was which was at the time a multi-site. Um, but the peop- but the way the multi-site was done was like not really well done, Mm-mm. and it created. They didn't have a model. They didn't. They just were making it up as they yes. were going along. Yeah. Um, great intentions, but law of unintended consequences should have like College Church as its definition. Um, and so there was resentment in that little, there were like 150 people in this sanctuary that seated 800. One of the decisions that uh, my worship leader and I would make every Sunday was, do we ask the people to move forward so it doesn't look so empty? I mean, every Sunday we'd open the door and look out and kind of do a head count. And during the meet and greet, do we ask the people to move forward? So I wasn't preaching to empty pews. It was so hard. So anyway, Mm -hmm. but that congregation, basically they started a multi-site three miles from that mother church, and everybody migrated to the energy, to the mission, and it left all of the senior adults. It was a kind of a senior adult congregation. I had one staff member say to me when I agreed to be the pastor of that congregation, I give them a decent burial. So they were just not invested in that congregation. And I can't pastor, I can't preach without pastoring. My right. preaching flows out of my pastoring. That's right. That's so right. I said to the senior pastor who asked me to do it, said, could you... Uh, can I pastor? Can I get volunteers? Can I grow? We had not, college kids didn't attend. We had one child in children's ministry and we had no teens. Mm. It was just, it was, it was a senior adult congregation because they were the ones who stayed. Mm-hmm. They didn't go out to the new energy, uh, the gymnasium and the coffee. So, um, so then the senior pastor resigns and now there's no senior pastor of a multi-site campus, a multi-site church. And I'm the pastor of a congregation now for four years. Without any authority to lead, all I could do is preach and shepherd. Mm-hmm. So I had all of this relational credibility with this congregation because I attended to them. Because that's, I mean, the model for me is shepherd. Yeah. So so they that congregation went to the district leadership and said, we have our pastor. Hmm. Don't call another pastor. We have our pastor. Well, but I wasn't the senior pastor and they were never going to call me a senior pastor. And I wouldn't have taken the multi-site church. I wouldn't have done it. So then there was no pastor and the congregation I was leading. Now we had grown, we had, we had children and we had teens and college kids were coming back. And, and so there was success and that added to like the internal tension of the church. Yep. Um, um, they saw me as kind of subversive, and I was just tending to the congregation. But then when they tried to call a senior pastor, I was the obstacle. Uh, and so they they laid this expectation on anybody they called. They said, you have to keep Quantstrom in the pulpit at university campus. Hmm. And they asked me to sign off on that. And I said, I'm not doing that to a senior pastor. No, he can't. There's nobody that's going to take this church as a multi-site and leave me here pastoring a third to a half, well, it wasn't a half, a third to, I don't know, the next fraction up, a, th- <laughs> a third of his congregation There's a th- or her congregation. There's no way he's going to leave me here. And furthermore, what if he has a completely different vision than, than, than you're asking? And I don't even know who it is you're going to call. So I wouldn't agree to it. And they s- interpret that as political. Mm. I was, I was uh, being uh, a little sneaky, subversive. Well, so then it gets starts getting ugly. Wow! And the two congregations are are at odds about whether or not they should call a pastor. And um, the other the other 
site, the elder campus, un- saw me as getting in the way of, of them having a pastor. Hmm. And um, this went on for six months, and it got... <laughs> um, six months. Well, I'm just... I'm just showing up. I'm doing my job. I'm preaching. And so, I'm are attending. you preaching at both campuses? No, now? no, no, no. Okay, no. They just... got another guy out at uh, another guy out at the other campus. Okay. So I stayed there. Yep. But that that campus didn't have a pastor, so you know, there's a little bit of migration. Yep. There's circulation of saints everywhere, and we got and there was some circulation of the saints yep. going on there. Well, so it got. They started. I was then the reason they couldn't call a senior pastor of a multi-site. And our congregation was saying, oh, let's forget the multi-site. Let's just go our separate ways. Let's be two separate churches. And it just was getting uglier and uglier. And I was the impediment. Mm-hmm. And so I quit again. Wow. Not a, I didn't quit Belleville. I left Belleville to teach. I quit. The, I quit. That, I, that Was that painful? That was the hardest decision I've ever made. I can't even I've made imagine some hard how decisions. painful that was. Oh, I betrayed that congregation. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't ask permission. Um, I just realized, uh, my worship leader and I met and we said, we can't do this anymore. So, but you both resigned. Well, he started it. He resigned. And I always said to him, when you resign, I'm resigning because huh. I'm not doing this without yeah. you. <laughs> we have, we all have those partners in ministry. We don't do. We? I yes. wasn't going to do it without him. Yeah. Um, it, it, he, he was the, I mean, gee whiz. I needed him. Yeah. And anyway, he resigned and I. We went out in coffee and talked. He said, I can't do it. And I said, okay. And I know what who that worship leader is. Oh, he's, he's an amazing guy. He's an incredible guy. pastor and worship leader. Yeah, so yeah. I love him. So anyway, um, I, I quit. I quit. Hmm. Um, and I wrote a letter to the, the district superintendent and said, I'm out. I didn't say I'm out. I mean, I, I gave him a reason. A fairly long letter about why I was not going to be the justification for them not calling a pastor. But I left. So now I don't have a church. And that's what's really tough when you leave a church is you lose your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Deb and I wandered around. Wow. For how long? Well, so I think March 1st, Fe- February to June, we were without a church. And so we, we, we thought, well, we'll go up to Chicago Heights and go to church up there. Um, we liked the pastor. And it was a good, really good congregation. But we wandered around. Um, we went to Kansas City. Easter Sunday that year, we were in Kansas City at a mm-hmm. church where my son was in seminary, and we wept through the whole Easter service because, not because it was not a good service. You're just in pain. No, we missed our church. Yeah. Oh. Uh-huh. We couldn't be. We couldn't be yeah. with the people we loved. Right. And I betrayed them. I thought there. I'm out now. I'm out. Okay. I thought I was out in '05 when I left Belleville. Now I'm really out. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be in the ministry again. And so. Um, March to June, the leadership of the church, the leadership of the district decided that the two churches should, as a matter of fact, become, the two campuses should become two churches. Hmm. And I mean, I remember needing to, so art museums are spiritually uh, enriching for me. And I remember one weekend I said to Deb, I said, I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get out of town. I can't do this. I said, I can't do a Sunday at another church. And so there was a Van Gogh uh, exhibition at the Cleveland Art Museum. And I said, I'm going to drive to Cleveland and get a hotel. And I'm just going to wander around the museum and wa- look at Van Gogh paintings. So, um, so I did. It was it was really, really hard. Yeah. So um, 
uh, I thought, well, okay, the academy is my home. I still had a job. I wasn't without a job. So the academy would, so I, we began making plans to do other things related to the academy. Um, but then they decided to become two separate churches, absent my influence. And I mean, that's another whole story that I won't tell here for sure. But then the DS asked if I would be the pastor of the newly formed college church of the Nazarene as lead pastor. I never, never, when, when I resigned in you February, that was it? no, I mean, there, that was not a political move. I was done. We were out and it was, I mean, it was so painful, but in June, he said, will you come back and be the pastor of this congregation? Mm-hmm. So that was in 14. So from 09 to the beginning of 14, I was campus pastor. Then June of 14 on, I was the senior pastor. But um, I thought I had failed for sure. I thought I had betrayed that entire congregation. I was now a quitter, right? I didn't have, and I even had, I even, one, of my, one of my friends um, met me at Panera's and gave me a book on leadership and told me, um, I was wrong. You be, you betrayed us. Oh my! Yeah, he gave me a book on courageous leadership, and he said what you did was absolutely the worst thing you could have possibly done. Oh my! Oh yeah, it was, it was, it was. Oh, that was so painful. Um. So, um, I mean, the end of that story is, I mean, they're still they're friends of ours, and yeah, um, that he was really revealing the depth of his hurt. That mm-hmm. was his allegiance to me yeah that he said i can't believe you're leaving so um i never i mean well and so then in the summer of 14 the fall of 14 because of all this relational credibility i had built up by just tending to the folk and being shepherd we just took off it was so much fun it was so much fun began hiring staff we started over college church of the nazarene and Bourbon A was a new church in mm-hmm. June of 2014. Yeah. And we just, we started, anyway, so I've been there eight years. I don't know the, but I thought I was a failure. Um, leave it, that was that, I was a quitter. For sure I was a quitter. I didn't have the stamina. Yeah, I went through, I, I went through some of those same questions. I went through some of those, those same wonderings, Mark. And I think, Hearing your story, my hope is that listeners who wondered if they were quitters, if they failed, if they abandoned people in the leaving, um, hearing your story, my hope is that they feel a little bit less alone and seen because you didn't quit, you didn't abandon them, you didn't fail. I kind of did. It I didn't was, fail, but I left them. You le- well. I, I didn't feel like I had any you choice. You couldn't stay either. I could not. You stay. could not stay either. I could not stay. Which begs the question to so many of our lister- listeners who wonder, you know, can I stay? Should sometimes I go? You can't. And sometimes you can't, and that doesn't mean that you're abandoning them. It doesn't mean that you're failing them. Okay, we're coming up to the end of the the time for this podcast, but I'll tell you what, one more story about Belleville. Belleville. So I'm talking to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I don't want to leave Belleville. I don't want to leave these people. And he said, so you're going to pastor them for all of eternity? Hmm. And I said, well, no. He said, so you are going to leave them. And he said, the question is not leaving. The question is when. 
said the Lord to me. Yeah. And that gave me permission to leave because I realized, well, you know what? Even if you live to be 100 years old and are an effective pastor at 100, there's going to be a day when you're going to have to leave these folk. Well, and a word you just said, I think, is really important, effective pastor. So I don't know that you could have still been effective with what you were going through Oh, that's interesting. At College Church. I don't know if I, with what all that I was going through with my father, with all that, all the pain, I just don't know that I could have been as effective. And, you know, I think there's so many things that go into discerning whether to stay or go. But I think a helpful question that we could answer is, can we be effective? And if no, and if, if it's time to leave, we're not abandoning them because we're not there till eternity, as we you said, and forever. the local church is not on our shoulders, mm-hmm. meaning like it's the Lord's church. Now, of course, do, do I hope that we see longevity in pastors? Yes. Mm-hmm. Do I think that anytime hard moments come, that that means it's a sign you should go? No. Hard days will come. Right. I'm in a honeymoon phase at Good Shepherd Church and uh I'm going to be putting out fires. I'm going to get mean emails. I'm going mm-hmm. um, to hear from angry people. People will leave the church. Uh, I, I will disappoint people. But that doesn't mean that I should go. Right. You know. Uh, so I think, you know, there's so much that goes into play. I think I just all that to say that it's complex. Uh, if if you are, if you're a listener and you're wondering you're experiencing hard times and you're wondering, should I stay? Should I go? I just want to say first and foremost, surround yourself with people that know you. Surround yourself with people that know you, that love you, that can help you discern this and make sense of this. And whether you stay or whether you go, God loves you. God loves that church. And and it's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. It's never the, it, it's never the end of the story. That's right. That's right. Um, and God won't waste it. God won't waste that suffering of you or the church. If if we remain open to the Lord being able to redeem. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, in another podcast, I'll talk about how it is I'm at Northern instead of Olivet. Yeah. Um, but when I was going through that really difficult time at Olivet, um, my question was, okay, so Lord, how are you going to redeem this? Yes. Yes. God I think that's the question does. we have to yep. ask. Yeah. How is the Lord going to redeem this? Yeah. Well, until next time. This was Rich Conversation. Uh, We kept you all a little bit longer than what we normally do in an episode. But hey, that's what the uh, double speed is for. And so (laughs) if this this episode blessed you, um, we encourage you to share it with a friend. Mark, would you you close us with a benediction for our listeners? Benediction? Mm. Oh, man. Um, So here's here's the deal. we believe in the, the we believe in the work the pastors do, and it's really hard work. Mm-hmm. We want you to see it as part of the Lord's salvation for you, that the Lord is working out your salvation by virtue of your call, and um, in spite of the difficulties, uh, ministry in the Lord's name is gift. Mm. Sometimes, in the valley of the shadow of death, it is still gift. Amen because we learn who our Lord is there. And sometimes in the valleys, we learn best who the Lord is there. Amen. So we ask the Lord to bless you in your ministry and sustain you another day. Until next time.